Hi, my beautiful people. This is Bimi Shavery, and I am here with your daily devotion. And I hope you guys are doing so good. I hope that you're doing well. Um, I hope that you are in a great space. We have completed our fast, but as promised, we are continuing on our daily devotions. I'm so excited about this journey. There's so many things in store. There are so many things that are unfolding, so many beautiful things that are happening that are really, really preparing us for what it is that we have been really, really believing for. So I'm happy that you guys are here. If you are new here, welcome, 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 welcome. For everyone who has already been here, you've been a subscriber, you've been a support, you've been a part of the tribe for days, weeks, months, and years at this point. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you so much for allowing me to be used as a vessel in your life. Now, we are, as promised, continuing with our daily devotions. That is our thing over here. I'm so excited about it. In addition to the new episodes that I'll be sharing with you about navigating the intricacies of our life in general, right? I'm very happy and excited about us being on this journey together. Now, today's daily devotion is going to speak about trust. Okay. Um, Trust is a very intricate and very deeply rooted reality that we fight with, we can battle with. Trust is something hard to grasp at times because it can definitely be something that is affected or prevented based on our experiences, based on our life, based on the things that we've seen, based on the things we think we know and the things that we do know. But most importantly, due to the unfamiliarity with what it actually is that we're supposed to be trusting and believing in. And this can be in everything. You find trust in trusting that changing up your routine is better for you. How do I know it's better for me? I've never done it before. I don't know if it actually worked for the people who are pretending like it did or they're showing me that it did. I don't know if it's going to fit my life or trusting in a relationship. Like I've been hurt before. I don't quite know if I can believe what you're saying because you've shown me before that I can't like trusting. So it's hard on a practical level to trust things that you already know have happened, things you know exist, you know. Um, But it's even harder to trust in something that you cannot see, something that you just don't really know really even exists. And that's where we are when we deal with trusting in the unknown, when we're trusting in God and we're trusting in favor. This is why it's so important for us to understand the root of trust, because you can't trust something unless you actually believe in something. And you can't really believe in something unless you actually have an inter interpersonal and intricate, um, intimate relationship in the spiritual and mental space with it. You just can't. So that is why it's important to devote time. It's important to devote a discipline and also devote a sense of obedience to what it is that you're claiming to trust in. This takes time in relationships. You cannot just have trust. You can have basic trust. You know, I trust, I have two forms of trust. I tell people all the time. I trust people to do what they're going to do. I do. I full fledged 
trust you to do who you do, whatever you're going to do, and you're going to do what's best for you. That's just innately what I believe. But there's another level of trust when it comes to my intimate relationships, when it comes to the relationship where I have allowed myself to be open, vulnerable and create a safe space for you beyond the normal, right? Beyond the surface, that type of trust means I trust you beyond what you're going to do for yourself. I trust you to the point of I know that you're going to do what's best for me, even when it doesn't benefit you type of trust. That is not a trust that I give to everybody. That is not a trust that everyone can earn. That takes a very special, unique type of connection to get that level of real trust. But when it comes to my relationship with God and when it comes to my belief in God, the trust that I have in him is widely different because it surpasses everything because he's shown me through my life. He has positioned me in my life. He has already shown me everything and every reason why I can trust him because I already have proof based on what he's done in my life that he is definitely doing things in my best interests, even if it don't feel good at the moment, even if I don't understand it in the moment, I know that God has my best interests at heart. Now, when we speak about trust, okay, when we speak about trust and we speak about in verse, okay, when we're talking about John, in John 13 and 7, um, when Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Well, we know in context that he's speaking to the disciples and he's washing the feet of those that he is viewing as clean or wanting them to be clean. Right. And he is not washing the feet of Simon Paul, Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is telling him that he wants his hands and everything else washed, too. And Jesus is telling him, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will. And what ends up playing out is because he did not view Simon Peter as clean. He did not view him as someone that he knew he could trust because he knew that he would betray him. Now, when we speak about our life and we speak about the journey we're on and we speak about the path that God leads us on, sometimes it does look a bit distorted because we don't quite have a full picture of what it is that is occurring or what is about to unfold. So sometimes our movement, sometimes our our trajectory feels a bit off. Sometimes our restructuring feels a bit off. Sometimes our uh, communication and the way that we interpret things seems a bit off because we are trying to gain a complete understanding all at once what God is doing, but we can't physically see how it makes sense. And when that happens, we're in conflict with our ego. We're in conflict with our with our pride. We're in conflict with the reality that we're living, but we are also going against what God is asking of us, which is to trust and obey. Trusting and obey means you just believe what I'm telling you, even if you don't understand, that's that faith, right? 
You're, you're believing in something that you can't see. It's you can't see it. You, you can't put your hands on it. It doesn't make sense to you. And it can't because we're not in God's head. We're not in God's body. We don't know what he sees because he's omnipresent. So what he sees is a full picture, a full view. What we see is a right now, right here in the peripheral that we're able to see with our eyes. Right. We don't know anything bigger than that. We don't know how to see. It's much like when people are raised in certain communities or raised in certain cities. They don't know anything other than that because they haven't gotten outside of that bubble. Right. So they can build their beliefs. They build their practices. They built their understanding of the world based on the limited experience they have, based on the limited view they have, based on the limited space they occupy. So when they get outside of that bubble, they realize that what they have thought was the full picture was really nothing more than a slight ripple in an ocean field with experiences, cultures, creeds, life, and it goes against everything that they thought they knew, which makes it a very difficult place for you to navigate because you're, you're still stuck in the who you have always been because it's all you know versus what God is trying to do to you, do through you in spaces that you're unfamiliar with. And oftentimes we get into this space where we're like, listen, God, I just want routine. Just can you give me routine? Can you give me just what I know and what I can handle? Because I don't really want to take on more. I don't really know if I can handle more. I don't really know if that's really what it is that I'm needing to do. And God is saying to you, it isn't about what you think you can do. It is about what I know you can do because I can see all things. And I've already created you in the fullness in which I envision you to be you just have not grown into it yet you have not arrived fully in it yet because it is a process so we're trusting this process we're trusting the process of relationships we're trusting the process of the career we're trusting the process in our health journeys we're trusting the process of navigating through life in every single stage we enter that is not easy that is not always pleasant that does not always look good but it is what it is requ- it's what requ- is required as we're navigating through our life so when we speak about trust it's almost like a blind trust But intuitively, you have to be connected because if you're not connected intuitively, you will miss a lot of the pit stops. You'll miss a lot of the detours. You'll miss where God is asking you to go while you are on this path. And he's asking you and instructing you and providing you with insights about who not to let a part of this journey as you're navigating through as well. So sometime when we're not listening, that's when we find ourselves in a big issue because we're we're doing it our own way because we're not really trusting in the vision. We don't see the vision, so we can't trust in that, but we got to trust in who is the visionary, which is God. So as I'm studying and I'm preparing for our daily devotion today, I wanted to study a little bit more about the woman at the well, right? Because the woman at the well is a very important story. It is something that is so much deeper than a woman who was thirsty. Okay. It was so much more than just a woman who was unwed, right? It was so much more than that. And it's so much substance in it, but I'm only going to speak on a few points of it because I don't want it to be uh, too convoluted. But 
what I will say is as I am studying about the woman at the well, it's important to understand the time period. Okay. First of all, Jesus is traveling on his way to Galilee and he stops in a place where Jewish people do not associate. Okay. Jesus was a Jewish person. So by him stopping with his disciples, he was not by himself. He stops in Samaria. Okay. And he rests at the well. Now, it also feels as though because Jesus is definitely the spirit of God, it feels as though, I mean, he's, he's, he's moved by the spirit of God and directed by the spirit of God. So he sees and knows where, what is going to be, what is going to happen where he is headed, right? He already knows. So it's almost like God knew Jesus knew that he was going to get to this well and this woman would be at this well. Now, mind you, when you think about the culture there as well, the woman, the Samaritan women only pulled water from the well for special occasions in groups in the morning. So the fact that this woman was at the well by herself around noontime, which is, well, it said um, six, the sixth hour, which is translated to the noontime, um, says a couple of different things. One, she was a loner or she was outcast. She was not a part of the groups. She was not a part of any cliques. Um, but as we go further in the story, it also means a lot more, right? So this woman is at the well, okay? Well, Jesus is at the well first. She arrives at the well and Jesus asks her for water. And she responds to him, why are you asking me for water? Um, basically because Jewish people do not get water from us. They are totally not, they don't associate. Okay. So I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you the scripture. One second, let me pull. So we're going to start at. We're going to start at uh, John at John four. Okay. And it says, it says, we're going to start at John four and nine. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and the flocks and herds? So Jacob is known. Jacob is a descendant of Abraham. OK, and Abraham and Isaac, of course, very wealthy, very, very God favored. And 
this particular city was a product of that. So they have everything, right? So her asking him, are you better than Jacob? So are you above who created all of this? Right. So in in that statement alone, it's as if they worship Jacob opposed to who actually has blessed Jacob. And that is God and not understanding that she's actually speaking to Jesus, who is the Messiah. She's asking questions because she can't see who he really is. She doesn't know who he really is at this point, but it gets really good and gets really interesting because they continue to speak, which also tells you a lot about Jesus, that the fact that Jesus went to a place that Jews typically do not stop in. You go there, you sit at the well and you speak to a woman who is outcast because she at this point has no husband. Okay, well, he he hasn't said it, but he already knows she has no husband. She has already been married five times and basically living in, in sin. So it also shows you that God is amongst the people that are viewed as sinners. He is amongst the people that are viewed as outcasts. He doesn't care about that. He is literally after the heart. He's after the spirit. He that's where he's led to. So when he's asking, she's having this conversation. Jesus answers her and says, Jesus answers her and says, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in, a, in, in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And you have to keep com- coming here to draw water. So. It's almost as if she is being snarky with Jesus. Like, gonna give me this water so I don't have to talk to you no more. Gonna give me this water so I don't got to even deal with you no more because I don't have the time for this for this type of back and forth in these games because she's not really sold on who this is. She don't even know who this is. She's just having a conversation with a per with a random person because he's by self. The disciples had gone to get food. Right. So. She's sitting here and he's having this conversation, but he's disturbing her process. So there is a bit of snarkiness coming from her because who are you? Okay. So then he told her, go call your husband and come back. So Jesus, first of all, y'all think about this. Jesus already know this woman ain't got no husband. He already knows she ain't got no husband. So it's almost a dig at her as well. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, oh, so you trying to play me? Let me tell you. Let me just call you out and tell you who I know you are. Okay. So when he asked her, go get your husband, she says to him, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now I'm reading from the, my version is the new international version. Um, So and I've had this Bible since 2006. So it gives a different breakdown. It's a breakdown, but it just basically puts it in terms where you understand it. So then but of course, I do ultimate research in multiple different spaces because there are so many different Bibles. But listen. So he says this to her and she says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where he must 
worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. You uh, said a time. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to me. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Okay, now let's just pause for a minute right there. Jesus is having this whole conversation with this woman who is at this point definitely not convinced she's talking to fully who she is talking to until he tells her that she has not been married and the person she's with is not her husband because she hasn't had this conversation with him. That's how she knows he's a prophet because I didn't tell you that. So how did you know that was, how did you know this is what that was? How did he know? Because he's the Messiah. So she's discovering, she's finding this out and she's getting, she's getting a bit excited because she's realizing who she's in the presence of. And it is just her. So here comes the disciples. Okay. The disciples who are coming back from looking for food. They're noticing that Jesus is talking to this woman whom he really shouldn't be talking to because she's a Samaritan. However, they don't say anything because who questions Jesus, you know, so they don't say anything. They just, they just gone about as they do. And In 28, in John 4 and 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying one sows another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now, that's so that's so that's a whole nother episode, that part just alone. But this in this context, he sent the disciples to go get food in fields that they did not actually harvest, plow or work in. Okay, they go, they get the food, bring it back. He bring it back for Jesus to eat. However, Jesus does not eat that because he is full off of his mission. He's full off his purpose. He is doing what he was sent to do. They were sent to go fetch food so that Jesus can have this time for this woman who comes to the well 
alone. Now, the interesting part about this is during this whole thing, you notice that even though this woman has gotten to this well by herself, normally Samaritans go in groups in the morning and they only fetch water um, for special occasions. This woman is at this well alone at noon and she is by herself. However, when she is encountering Jesus and he's telling her everything about herself, she now goes back to the other people and shares what her experience has been. Now, it tells you a lot about this woman because they listen to her. They listen to her and they follow her back to the well. So it tells me a couple different things about this woman's character, even though we don't know much about her other than she has a sense of leadership in her. People respect her word. They trust her. They believe in what it is. She's saying enough to want to figure out if it is actually what it is, what she's saying it is. She, they're believing or they're wanting to confirm that she crazy. Okay. They're wanting to confirm that she really did lost her mind because the Messiah is not going to stop up and through here in Samaria. Okay. So there's one or two things that are going on at this time. So as we continue through, we're in John four and 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, right? He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. So not only do they believe her, they believed her enough to follow her where she was for whatever reason they did. But now they trust in what she has said even more so because they also believe because of they're seeing it for themselves. And I'm guessing during this time they're engaging and they're talking to him and he's saying other things that are confirming things that he should not know. So this is what is bringing more people to him. This is bringing his people to him. This is saving the people and bringing them to him. That is his mission. That was the journey. And he used this woman who was alone, who was in sin based on the fact that she was unwed. She'd been wed multiple times. And used her to go back, spread the word, come back, and they too become believers. Okay. In the very town that Jewish people did not cohabitate in. That is a lot of power. That is a lot of a lot of power. And then further on, when we're going through John, we also see how God finally makes Jesus finally makes it to Galilee. And it also shows you how sometimes the where the place where you're from or the space that you're actually in won't really believe in you. They won't really understand you. They won't really uh, invest much into what it is that you actually do because they won't believe it until they actually can see it for themselves. So understanding what has happened in Samaria is cool, but they won't believe it for themselves until it's done here. So at this point, Jesus comes and Jesus is in, he arrives in Galilee 
And in verse 45, he says, when it says, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Jesus then says in 48, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. The royal official says, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. Okay, the man took Jesus at his word and departed while he was still on the way. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living when he inquired as to the time when his son got better. They said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed this is something that is so incredible about Jesus because Jesus was a man of his word yes but Jesus also went out of his way to make those believe that otherwise wouldn't believe that should have already believed because of where he's from So if I've seen you do this for others and I know you can do this in other spaces, then I got to know and believe that you will too do this for us. But they don't. And it's much like when you're your family, you're successful, you're happy. The people are looking at you like whatever they're looking at you outside of home. But inside your home, you're just looked at as regular. No one asks you for advice, even if you are someone who is a stout, someone who is astute in what it is that you are saying or you're educated or you're successful in whatever field you're in. No one's asking for your opinion. No one really values what it is you're offering the world until they themselves are benefits of that, even though they're in close vicinity to you. Sometimes you are not as valued in the spaces you've become comfortable because the people that are intertwining with you and in your space with you have now gotten comfortable with the presence that you hold. So when you're speaking about trust, right, you think about the fact that you have to have a different type of trust in yourself and a trust in God to actually go to the places that typically you wouldn't be able to go or typically it isn't known for you to be in in order to thrive or in order to do what God is sending you to do. God will send you on a mission, a mission that looks significantly different than someone else's and it may look really crazy to other people but God will use you in those spaces to bring more light to his power into what it is that he can do because he has to get the glory so that's why as you're on your path and as you're on this journey you're finding yourself conflicted with the people that you knew and the people that you're meeting because the people that you're meeting are now believers of the possibilities but the people that you knew cannot see past who you've always been 
This is the conflict. And this is why God is saying to you, you have got to keep moving. The people that are supposed to see you will. The people that are supposed to believe in you will. The people that are supposed to be on this journey with you will. And it doesn't matter what it looks like because I'm anchoring you through this season. I'm anchoring you through this journey. I'm anchoring you through this space. So you have no choice but to thrive. But I need you to be obedient. I need you to go even when it looks like it's crazy. I need you to go even when you're afraid. I need you to go even when you can't see the bigger picture because there's so much for you to do there. There's so many things I'm having you do there that are going to bring light to the possibilities. You're having to trust God beyond your own comprehension because what looks normal for you will not be. It isn't normal for you to be able to do these things. It isn't normal for you to overcome the things that you've overcome. It isn't normal for you to have the grace that you have. It isn't normal for you to be able to reach the pinnacles that you're about to be able to reach because God is the one who is directing you. And if people don't really believe and people don't really see you outside of who you've always been, they're not going to get the message. They're not going to get the glory. They're not going to get the, they're not going to understand the full picture until they're on the outside and need what you have to offer. By that time, Time, you will already have been so far advanced on the journey that you have no ability to go back. They are going to have to catch up. They're going to have to catch up. And the only way to reach you is through God. The only way to reach you is to really divinely be assigned in your path. If they're not, then their time is up. They're going to have to figure it out another way. And sometimes we're on this journey and that's overwhelming. Sometimes we're on this journey and it becomes a lot because we cannot believe that we're in the spaces that we are and we're in the, in the, you know, vicinities that we are and we're meeting the people that we are and we're blessed the way we are. But why are you not trusting in the possibilities when you already know what God has done for you before? If God has his hand on you before he got his hand on you now, you got to know that the impossible is possible as long as you are connected with him, period. Trusting beyond what it looks like, trusting beyond what looks like commonality, trusting beyond what the people believe, trusting beyond what the people see, trusting that intimate journey God has you on is where your jewels lie. So what we can take from the Samaritan woman is sometimes going at it alone is exactly what you're going to have to do in order to take back the jewels that God is going to send you back with, because going in groups you can miss it. Wanting to do what everybody else is doing, you can miss it. Wanting to be like everybody else, you can miss it. Being ashamed of your story, you can miss it. The lady, obviously, after Jesus has spoken and said to her that she didn't have all these husbands and she shacking up, basically, she was not ashamed to go back and tell the people what he has told her. I ain't ashamed to tell you that I was out there. I was out there doing my thing. I'm not going to tell. I'm not. I'm not ashamed because listen, this man that told me everything I know, he, I, everything I know about myself, he didn't told me. So if he know, I don't care if you know, baby, because he, this man, I don't know this man who ain't even from here. This man that ain't even supposed to be here sitting right here is offering me water. So I'm never thirsty. And he's also telling me everything I know about myself. And so I'm telling you that this is somebody, somebody sitting here and they listen to her and they follow her. And because of that, she, she brings people and they too are now covered by Jesus's grace, by Jesus's love and his, all of that. Why? Because they believed, they just believed her. They believed her, which led them to having physical proof that 
they should be believing in him. That's the God's, that's the Lord's work. That's the Lord's work. And that's exactly where we are. That's exactly where you are on this journey, trusting in what doesn't look normal and orthodox, because I don't understand God why you got me going through this. I don't understand why I'm feeling isolated. I don't understand why I'm feeling why I'm ostracized. I don't understand why I'm been pushed out. I don't understand why I'm being attacked. I don't understand why I'm feeling alone. I don't understand why I'm dealing with anxiety. I don't understand why I'm having to constantly change and take these leaps. I'm not understanding why I'm going at it alone. I'm not understanding why people are coming at me the way they are. I'm not understanding why I'm having to wait. I don't understand why I'm dealing with so many conflicting things at this moment. I do not understand. God is telling you, you don't need to understand in the flesh. I need you to understand in the spirit that I got you. I got you and I need you by yourself first so that I can, I can have your people with you. And I'm going to use you to go and get your people and bring them with you. You understand? Jesus didn't tell the Samaritan woman to go tell him people. She was so excited and so puzzled by what he had told her that she just did it on her own. And that's what God wants you to do. I want you to be so excited and so ecstatic and so shocked that anything can happen for you, that everything that you can finally be seen, that you can finally be heard, that you can finally be understood, that you can finally see why all of your work was worth it. I want you to be so excited about that. I want you to know that it's possible. And I want you to be able to go back and tell the good news to the people so that they too can be right with you. Your people, the people that are supposed to be aligned with you, they'll believe you. They won't question you. They won't sit there and be like, I don't know. You crazy. Is that really what's happening? I don't think so. Maybe someone. No, they're going to run right with you because they trust your word. That's the value of building up your character. That's the value of building up your understanding of self. That's the value of being who you truly are. That's the value of really walking in your authenticity because God does not bless your representatives. He blesses you. And if he's blessing you at the core, then that is going to create an overflow. You got to stand in the knowing that God is already on it. Jesus is already on it. They, you don't need to figure it out. All you need to do is trust and obey. That's it. Trust and obey. Right? That's the most beautiful thing about this woman's whole story. Um, that is so rich, it's so filled with so much depth that it's so much deeper than she was thirsty at the well. So much deeper. But because of her obedience, because of her her being at the right place at the right time. She was blessed. Being obedient. Had she not gone to the well at that time, she would have missed it. Had she gone with the group early in the morning, she would have missed it. Catch a blessing. Catch a blessing. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and get into our prayer. And then we're going to read from the daily. Uh, we're going to read our daily devotional from the moments of peace in the presence of God. Oh, this is so good. So good. So good. So good. God, thank you so very much for ordainment. Thank you for assigning us to spaces that we otherwise would not be. Thank you for allowing us to be so interconnected with you that we are obedient to that voice and that inkling that we have to follow. Thank you for us being trusted, being trusted with the ability to be obedient, being trusted with the ability to share your word, being being trusted with the 
overwhelming amount of responsibility in being ourself. Not judging us, understanding that you love us in all different phases of who we are, in all different spaces that we occupy. You love us just as we are because you already know all. You already know what we've done. You already know who we've done. You already know the spaces we've occupied where we shouldn't have gone. You know everything and we need not be ashamed. We need not be afraid. We need not be embarrassed by your grace, by your mercy. And by being seen by you. So God, thank you so much for rebuilding our trust. Thank you so much for building our faith. Thank you so much for allowing us to really be connected with the fullness of who it is you are. God, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In your name, Jesus, we give you all the glory, all the honor and the praise. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and read. From the moments of peace in the presence of God, and it is titled the defender sees nothing is concealed that will not be revealed or kept secret that will not become known. Matthew 10 and 26. Wake up, come and defend me. My God and Lord fight for me. Lord, my God, defend me with your justice. Don't let them laugh at me. Psalm 35, 23 through 24. You will occasionally find yourself in situations in which you cannot defend yourself. You may be required to remain quiet in the face of others saying erroneous things about you, or perhaps you will face the consequences of another's decisions through, though you know the folly of their actions. You are not in a position to question what they are doing. This morning, take heart. Remember that God knows everything about your situation and that he is in control. Be confident that he will defend you when you can't speak up for yourself and that he will bring the truth to light. He knows the good you're done, you've done and will not let you down. Dear God, thank you for caring about me. You are my great defender and I know that you will bring the truth to light. Amen. The evening says heaven. When I awake in heaven, I will fully, I will be fully satisfied for I will see your face and I will be face to face with you. That's Psalm 17 and 15. God is good and he loves goodness. The godly shall see his face. Psalm 11 and 7. You see the word heaven to refer to the joyous fulfillment of the purpose of your life. Union with God. Certainly life offers you many reflecting or fleeting four states of heaven. Yet your present life is truly only preparation for the ultimate reward God has for you. All the pain, care and imperfections of life will fall away. The restless yearning that golds and prods you will be gone at last. You and your loved ones will be permanently reunited. All your errors will be forgiven. All distance between you and love will be erased. You will have perfect rest and happiness and complete freedom from want and anxiety. Let heaven keep you going as you allow God's unbreakable promise to lead you through this life to the joy that is in him. God, thank you for heaven and thank you you for all that it holds for me and for those I love. Amen. 
I am so happy and excited and I am so very ecstatic for us being on this journey. Thank you guys so much for your love. Thank you for your support. I look forward to our next episode. Until our next episode, please be gentle with yourself and be gentle with others. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. Bye.